welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, the 49ers did not fall into the trap. They handled their Week 15 business. Three fourth and goal stops propelled them to a 31-13 win against the Atlanta Falcons. And with me this week, taking recommendations on the best office chairs so he can quit his whinging, it's David Newman. <laughs> Look, my office chair sucks, all right? And it's, it's not really my office chair. I mean, I it kind of, I guess, has become my office chair. I had a great office chair. And then swiped. see what happened when my daughter was born and I no longer was working full-time from home. And then my wife started working full-time from home. And so she kind of commandeered the better chair, which is understandable. Uh, but it means that I suffer for three hours a week while we record these live streams. And I hate send, it. Send Newman your recommendations. Do it. Just good office chairs, a good place to rest his bum, you know? Uh, I'm I'm waiting for like the $1,200 gamer chair that someone sends you that's like, <laughs> this is great. You know, it like has speakers here on, on either side yeah. just so you can be immersed. Why not? Hear me, hear me everywhere. Um, all right. So quick housekeeping before we get into the business-like win from the 49ers against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, there's no Thursday pod this week because Christmas. Uh, we love our pagan holidays and we love to take time off. Uh, and so let's go ahead and give everyone some time off. And, uh, and so no Thursday. And also the Niners play on Thursday. Yeah, so we're basically going to not talk a whole lot about this Titans game. Um, I'm sure we'll have some some thoughts at some point early uh, the following week there. I don't know. Yeah. Some point. We haven't thought that far ahead yet, but yeah, not, not going to be a ton of Titans talk. All right, so let's get into this game against the Falcons because it starts really with three fourth down stops. I mean, that that is really uh, the headline because especially this game had all the makings of a trap game. And you think to yourself, they, they come out, they're a little bit sleepy, and opening kickoff, freaking Jermichael Hasty pops the ball up into the air like it's a Pop-Tart, goes ding, and, and, and they recover the ball, and I'm like, oh, God, here we go. And, and we've said, th- this, isn't, this isn't a team that's always good enough to overcome those kinds of mistakes. They get backed up, uh, and then every, they, they just, they, this time against you know basically unlike some of the other games they played they stand firm they hold on both on defense have a really efficient game on offense and and it really just turned out to be a business-like win in a game they really had to win to keep their playoff hopes sky high i mean obviously all of the the fourth down stops were were huge but i think like especially those early ones right the 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 first two the one on the first drive after the hasty fumble they kind of kick things off um, you know, preventing them from getting any points on the board, which I think like they got maybe a little lucky with that overturn there. I don't know that there that would be one. I, I think if if it were the 49ers in that position, I'd be pretty upset because I don't know that there was necessarily a ton of evidence there to overturn it. But hey, yeah. we'll we'll obviously take it. Um, but I, I I think that stop and then you know of course the the Niners after that are starting at their own two. You get uh, a good field position again for Atlanta on that following drive. You hold them just a field goal. Like those two drives especially and and not allowing the game to get out of hand early and, and get the 49ers in a position where they were trailing. I mean, that, it'd be very reasonable if Atlanta, after those two possessions, are up 14 nothing. Yeah. Right? And, and, and so the fact that it was only 3 nothing at that point and it allowed everything for the 49ers offense to stay on schedule, I I, I think was absolutely huge. Yeah, I mean, on the whole, the Falcons really continually failed to capitalize on good field position. Atlanta never once started to drive inside their own 20-yard line. Um, they, they started two drives that failed in San Francisco territory. Yeah. 
like it basically they started them in Santa Clara University, like just in Santa Clara already in that territory. And it was just like, nope, not going to happen. Not going to score points. Um, and that was good because it allowed the 49ers to basically stay on schedule on offense and not have to do the thing that sometimes gets them in trouble, which is just go throw, 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 throw early and often and kind of increase their, their margin of error. Um, now, the Niners did have to work a little bit harder for their points. Uh, they started their, they started four possessions inside their own 10-yard line. Uh, and every time they started outside of their own 20, they scored a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, I, that contrast, I just think, is so interesting to me. We're obviously going to talk a, a bit more about the 49ers offense in a minute here. But I, I think just looking at the field position, which is something that, you know, I don't know, it, it doesn't always get talked about too much is, is like a big factor in the game. But usually you see a team uh, or, or a game where one team is starting consistently near midfield, has multiple drives in opponent territory, they're starting in opponent territory, and the other team has a bunch of possessions where they're backed up in their own territory, right, and are having to go on these crazy long drives. That doesn't often work out for the the latter team there, right? Like, they're, they're just having to uh, do a lot more work to get points on the board, and the 49ers were, were up to it in this case. So I think, yeah, it was just impressive that they were able to kind of overcome those early obstacles uh, and, and not let that field position kind of drive them into a hole in this game, which could have led to a very different result. Yeah, we haven't talked about uh, field position battles since, like, the Harbaugh days. That was like a yeah. regular feature in in our pod back then. Uh, but, but yeah, this wasn't a game that on paper you would think the Niners are going to, uh, especially because, I mean, they didn't score very many points in the first quarter, but then they exploded 14 in the second, exploded 14 in the second, 14 in the third, and, and that basically sealed the deal. On, on defense, though, before we move to the offense, um, this was a victory, I think, that was fueled by the defensive line. I think DJ Jones had a good game, a couple of impact plays early. Um, on the initial goal line stand, he clogged up the run on on uh, one of the run plays. He had pressure on Matt Ryan on the Falcons' third drive, which eventually they were able to extend the drive. But he was he was there, and he just looked like he was overpowering the interior of the Falcons' offensive line. And then you get to Nick Bosa, and and I feel like his sack really turned the game around. His fifteenth sack, fifteen sacks, man. That's that's like that's a lot. <laughs> been a little bit. It's been uh, since the Alden Smith days, you know. Those I know. early couple of years where we had a guy like that. I know, but he's got 15 sacks, uh, and he. It, I mean, that was the play that really tilted the game. I mean, strip sack. Warner recovers. The Niners go down, and they score a touchdown. And the game really never felt in doubt after that score. Like it got yeah. like maybe a little close there, and then there was another, you know, <laughs> like fourth down stop. But <laughs> but yeah, but that that after that just marched down the field score. It was like okay, cool. This is yeah. this is toast. I mean, taking advantage right of their opportunity. That was the one time that they were able to start in Atlanta territory uh, this entire game and go down there. You capitalize with a touchdown. Uh, yeah, that was big and, and and absolutely agree. I mean, the de- the defensive line. Uh, really kind of <laughs> like was the reason I think that that all of this stuff that we're talking about happened. I mean, uh, they were just Matt Ryan back there was constantly it felt like he was having to bail and, uh, you know, escape pressure and just never was able to really sit comfortably on a spot, find a receiver, make a throw, um, you know, even on some of those ones 
where he completed him a little bit further downfield, right? It was quick timing, and it always looked like there was somebody about to close and hit him if he didn't get rid of it immediately, right? So it was just like, uh, yeah, the, it was a rough game for the Atlanta offensive line there, and I think you saw guys like like uh, Jones and Bosa, Arden Key, uh, you know, made some big plays in there as well. So uh, I think everybody, even even Ebicom got in there uh, against the tight end, got for a sack, right? So. Yeah, everybody kind of getting involved and, and having an impact up there. Yeah, once Ebukam gets involved, you know everyone's <laughs> You know, like <laughs> I mean, I wasn't gonna say like that I was like, I'm feeling a pretty good mood right now. Like like I'm not trying to go uh needlessly shit on the guy this time, but hey. <laughs> no, Ar- Arden Key though, I did think he had a, a good game. He had a cleanup sack. He did have a sack nullified because of a weak ass penalty. I thought the ref, uh Gene Steratore, who came in and said like it looks like he's just diving at a quarterback. Like that's a tough call to make. That that was his way yeah. of saying like this was this was basically a bullshit call. Um, <laughs> that that should not have been a penalty at all. But the, I think perhaps his more critical play was one that I think it was Trent Green who was the colored guy this game. Um, but he he actually detailed this really well in that if not for his pressure on Matt Ryan in uh, deep in the red zone, the Falcons have a touchdown and, and potentially make this. Uh, I think at that point a one score game. Yeah, it, it was uh it, it would have been rough. I mean, because you had in this one they, they showed a good view of it kind of after they went to commercial first, they came back uh and, and showed a nice replay of it there. And you see the 49ers is kind of in their typical kind of too high red zone type coverage, right? And and it's actually uh quite surprisingly, like the initial look I was like I kind of think that's Marcel Harris. I, I want it to be Marcel Harris in my mind. Uh, but I, I think it was actually Fred Warner that drops this coverage. So Fred Warner being the whole player in this coverage uh, is responsible for ultimately matching kind of the, the final number three receiver who, because of this, like, so initial alignment, he had the back and you kind of see him open with the back. The back goes wide to the flat, though. And you see, I forget who it was that was the ultimately the open receiver that comes across on like that shallow crosser. Um, but he should have picked that up essentially and kind of followed that and and matched him. Um, doesn't drops it. There's nobody there in the middle of the field uh, to pick it up, and it's almost surely a touchdown without Arden Key getting in there, getting the hit on Ryan to affect the throw. And and so yeah, it was just a, I think overall a really positive game for him. He had a number of. Uh, you know, positive plays, good pressures uh, in, in some key situations. Now, did the Falcons learn nothing from watching the Bengals game? Like, why why did they wait so long to start chucking it deep? Because whenever, that, that was their entire offense. <laughs> their entire offense was line someone up over to Ambry Thomas's side, take a three-step drop, and throw it. <laughs> and And something good is going to happen, at least for the Falcons not for Ambry Thomas. Ambry Thomas has the unique distinction of what, in my opinion, is basically getting like reverse mossed. Like he actually had the ball and somehow Kyle Pitts still ends up with the ball in his hands and almost makes a catch if he gets his other foot down. It's just, I've never seen anything quite like that where a defensive back just like, like, like tries to high point the ball and then ends up without the ball. Kyle Pitts legit stops on the route. Because he thinks that it's not coming to him, like starts slowing down. Ambry Thomas, they're you know this is end of the half, they're playing super uh, soft and giving up a nice big cushion. So Pitts is like, yeah, this isn't coming to me right now. 
oh shit, it is coming to me, goes there, snatches it out of his hands, nearly gets, he gets fucking seemingly more in bounds than Ambry Thomas does along the sideline yeah. there. Uh, nearly ends up with the catch. Yeah, it was just, uh, I mean, it was a, a rough game when he was targeted for, for Ambry Thomas again. Um, and it is wild that it took so long. I mean, it was basically the first time we saw it was uh, kind of at the end of the first half, but they didn't really start deciding like, hey, maybe there's something to this like until what, mid-third quarter or so? And then finally we saw a a few consistent shots deep there. And then even after it worked, they kind of stopped going to it again for a little bit. And they started running the ball. They started running the ball with Cordell Patterson and giving it to Mike Davis. And I'm like, what what are you doing? And it's just... Yeah, they they had it was like such a favor for them because like look there was just nothing that was the thing like I don't know why you don't look at this team and look at this defense coming in and say we need to do everything we can to attack these corners on the outside. There are are going to be plenty of ways that I think are honestly like relatively predictable with the coverages they play where you can get some isolated matchups on those outside cornerbacks and for at least you you're going to you can do it early and force them to have to adjust and maybe go to some of the other coverages, go to some of the cover two looks that they uh, have run a little bit, right? But it isn't their bread and butter necessarily. And, and force them to kind of switch it up a little bit. But teams just kind of play into their hands. They throw it short. They're running the ball a lot. And uh, yeah, it just felt like every single time they took a shot deep, it was successful and they just refused to keep doing it. And one of the times they went deep was on a concept that we've covered on this pod before, but is is just a really, really effective co- concept, especially against some of the stuff the Niners like to run. And that's the Mills concept, where you have kind of an underneath in-breaking route that holds the safety, and then you run a post behind it. Um, and this was just, I mean, it was a deep shot to Zacchaeus, and they complete it, they get it, and it was like, it was their longest play of the game easily. I think it was like 56 yards or something like that. But they, I mean, they have these in their arsenal. They can throw these bombs. Matt Ryan is capable of um, of completing these passes, and yet they're going to go ahead and, and just run run the ball because Arthur Smith, you know, wants to win the game on the ground. Um, but yeah, I mean, they had their opportunities, but I mean, even then, I think that the defense still, even with those lapses, um, because of the fourth down stops, because of the defensive line, was able to to kind of recover and stay on top. Yeah, and and one note too on that that Mills play, um, just from the broadcast standpoint, kind of correction from them is like. He, he calls it, and I see you understand why he's doing He's maybe just trying to uh, simplify a little bit too much here, but kind of uh, Trent Green called that coverage that they're in is like a, a three-deep coverage, right? Because you you do technically end up with three-deep defenders, but the, the concept that they're actually running, right, is cover six. And so that means to the the side that the ball is thrown there they're actually running quarters meaning and and the big difference for that is is basically how responsible is jimmy ward for for allowing this to get behind him right if this was a a true like three deep look he's gonna be middle of the field safety type he should be getting back deep to help on this and so you can kind of forgive norman a little bit because he's expecting another deep defender there on the inside to be able to help him out when it's quarters, that's not the case, right? That once that that inside slot receiver goes vertically like he does, then Ward has to be responsible for him. So he has to pick that up, and and uh, Norman becomes kind of isolated on an island at that point. It's all him to stop the post. Obviously, doesn't doesn't go so well. Um, yeah, I mean, so they hit hit there. Obviously, they they were able to get Ambry Thomas a few times, and uh, yeah, it's just I mean, very fortunate that they didn't go to this more frequently. Yeah, I mean, the, ultimately, the, the optimist looks at this performance from Ambry Thomas and says, 
he's he's got to take these lumps. He's got to work through it. You know, he's a rookie. He's gonna he's gonna learn. He's gonna do these things. And there's there's some truth to that. I mean, he's got to understand and realize positioning, how to look back at the ball, where to you know. Last week it was where to punch. You know, where what not to punch the face, um, and instead to set a target a little bit lower. Um, you know, and so I do think that these things hopefully are. A, a few bumps in the road of his trajectory that, that help him learn how to become a better NFL corner. Um, but you can still believe that and absolutely acknowledge that this was a very rough outing for Ambry Thomas. Um, and, and hopefully he improves and, and does learn from these um, not too spectacular plays. I mean, I think it, even uh, somebody posted in the Discord during the game, right, that uh, Crocker even said, like, look, man, maybe you need to get him out of the game at this point, who, as a former DB, is usually, like, pretty kind to the DBs, right, and is trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. And so I, I think, yeah, you see, uh, you know, an, a former NFL defensive back saying, like, ah, man, this isn't looking too good. Maybe we need to get him a break uh, is, is a tough look for him. But... Yeah, I think there is certainly, um, you know, a good argument that he needs that time, right? It's just, it's tough to balance that with trying to be good and make a playoff push right now. All right, we're going to talk about the offense, but before we do that, we're going to take just a brief break to hear from our sponsors. This week's pod is brought to you by TickPick. 49ers football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. If you don't believe it, and you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. The 49ers have just three regular season games left, and if you want to go see them this season and not have to refinance your home to afford a ticket, Visit TickPick.com slash Rivals today to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's TickPick.com slash Rivals. On offense, this was a clean and efficient performance. There's an asterisk by clean. We'll forget the fumbled snap from the offense. Okay. This is like, you know, clean with a stain that no one notices. All right. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, sorry. Stain just got me thinking about butt. And did you see Matt Ryan spank his offensive lineman after the false start? I, I did not, but uh, oh man, wow, I'm it was, sad that I missed it. Oh man, it was the early false start, and it's like third and one, and they false start, and he gets so mad, and he just goes whap, and just completely smacks him. Did I, he go I, to the Urban Meyer School of Discipline? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was he. I mean, he was mad, and he whacked his lineman, and I I do want to go find it again, but um, th- this was for the 49ers a clean and efficient performance on offense. They averaged. Uh, basically 0.333, repeating bar, uh, EPA per play. And, and that figure would lead the league by a considerable margin. Green Bay is currently number one in the, at the, in the NFL uh, at 0.101. Um, and so basically they're like tripling that. Uh, and so their efficiency in this game was very, very good. Yeah, a third of a pl- uh, essentially a third of a point, right? Per play, every time that you snap the ball, you're getting that much closer uh, to scoring, which is, um, yeah, and kind of an insane number. And they were, they were positive in, in both the run game and the pass game. And I think by EPA per play, this was, uh, essentially their most efficient outing of the season. Um, and, and it was really, it was only the second time, which I think was, it was the most impressive part that they were able to generate positive EPA on over half of their plays. 
So it wasn't just that they were generating the the big explosive plays, right? Which is always going to be really good, uh, make you look really good in EPA per play. They they had those. They had like 13 explosive plays in this game, but they 13? were also yeah 13. I think and it was like it was pretty evenly split. It was like seven six between uh, pass and run there. So. They had the explosive plays, but they also had the the consistency behind it as well. And so I think, yeah, it, it showed whenever they had an opportunity to to essentially not be backed up against their own goal line, uh, yeah. they scored touchdowns. And, and so it was just, uh, yeah, I think uh, overall a really solid performance. Garoppolo um, kind of mimicked that, right? I think it was there wasn't really anything flashy, no big time throws that I remember. Um, maybe the scene throw to Kittle was was pretty good, was probably his best throw downfield of the day. But yeah, overall it was just like solid, mostly pretty accurate. I thought the uh, the throw that he had on the slant to Ayuk um, that went for like thirty plus yards yeah. was like great ball location. Whoa, like yeah, that's actually like perfect in stride, front shoulder ball location. Like we haven't seen a ton of those from him uh, in in a while, and so that was and that was definitely a play that was made. Like Ayuk only gets those yards after the catch because of that. Um, yeah. and, and so yeah, I think overall he was just really solid. No major bonehead mistakes in this game, um, whether they were you know near mistakes or actual mistakes. Um, so yeah, just it, it, overall, they, they were kind of clicking and everything was going well. That catch from Kittle was pretty incredible. I thought that I thought he was going to drop it and they, they never showed a good angle of what happened with the ball from the other side. He was shielding, you know, the, from the camera angle, what was happening with the ball. So I, I couldn't see whether or not he, you know, he actually caught it or, but luckily it didn't matter. They didn't review it. It didn't, you know, it goes down as a catch either which way it's a hell of a catch from George Kittle. And, and yeah, Garoppolo, I think th- there's a couple instances where I'm watching the game in on the TV tape and some of the windows that Garoppolo is throwing through look really little. And, and you think to yourself like, oh, no, like there's a linebacker there. And at this point with Garoppolo, we're all conditioned to just basically like pucker our buttholes whenever there's a linebacker near one of his passes. And the, you look at the at the end zone view, though, on all 22 and you realize those windows are a lot bigger than they seem because of the angle. Like that, there's, it's very clear that he is throwing right through exactly where, uh, through the space that he should be throwing through. Um, and that's what ends up happening on some of these passes where, um, especially on the, the RPO actions or when it's like a play action and he like kind of makes the action, pulls the ball and throws a, a quick glance route or a slant route. Those windows look tight. They're bigger than, than they seem, I think, on the TV tape. Um, yeah, the, the, the combination of Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, and Jennings produced 14 of the team's 17 catches. 11 of those catches turned into first downs or touchdowns. I mean, all three of them were good. Juwan Jennings, well, well, we'll, we'll get to Juwan Jennings in the, in the quick hits, but yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I think, um, you know, you're obviously, those are the guys that are, that you're relying on for your passing game right now. Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, you know, more, more so more consistently, um, than Jennings necessarily, but he's obviously become a bigger part of what they're doing offensively. And so you look at those primary receivers and 11 of their 14 receptions are getting you at least a new set of downs, if not a touchdown, right? So, uh, yeah, I think it just kind of speaks to all of those things, right, about a good performance from Jimmy and finding the right guys and, and uh, you know, get putting the ball on them in, in catchable locations. And then, obviously, them kind of doing what they do and all of those guys being great after the catch, being able to create things uh, and, and just end up with a lot of positive plays for your offense. I mean, yeah, I think when you, whenever you can generate that frequency of first downs, every time that you're having a completion in the passing game is, is pretty incredible. 
Yeah, and Jimmy had time. I mean, the offensive line did their job too. Yep. And this was something that we expected. They had an advantage in this game against that defensive line from the Atlanta Falcons. But he had time. Um, and, and you can tell when Jimmy Garoppolo's internal clock goes off because he begins to flounder. <laughs> And it's kind of oh funny. that one where he like <laughs> barely managed to get it away to to Wilson I think right <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it was um, it was hasty I think oh, was it hasty and, and, okay yeah 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 um, in, in any event I think it's just it's really funny because you can tell his clock is set to go off at about three three and a half seconds he's like oh no oh no oh no um, and yeah but but the offensive line gave him time I mean they 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 had no issue with the defensive line from the Atlanta Falcons and overall I mean. It was it was one of their most efficient uh, and best performances of the season, um, and that's how you end up rolling up thirty one points uh, and getting a much needed win. Yeah, it took a little longer to get there, right? Like it was, uh, you know, a little. Slow they started in the out first sleepy. Half. Yeah, they started sleepy. Um, Hasty didn't help. Ultimately, we we ended up with the situation that we thought we were going to in this game, right? Which was a yeah a largely pretty easy, comfortable win for most of this game. And it's good because the, I mean, this was the game that this was the trap game. This was the two game road trip coming in Sunday game, looking forward to Thursday against a team that is much better than the Falcons. And, and so you could easily see them dropping this game just like they did uh, back in 2019. And with the initial fumble, you think to yourself, oh no, here we go again. But nope, they came back, they handled business. Um, and, and here we are um, comfortably drinking a beer, thinking about these quick hits that we're going to begin right now. Uh, playoff odds update. Uh, playoffs. Um, five thirty-eight now has the 49ers with an eighty-eight percent chance of making the playoffs after today's results, which is very, 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 very good news. Uh, lots of things happening in the NFC today, though. The Lions beat the Cardinals. The Lions beat the Cardinals by two scores. It was like eighteen points, uh, which now means that the fifth seed is within striking distance. But the Niners still likely are going to fit firmly in that sixth seed. Um, you know, Green Bay won, so they're like going to be near that first seed. I mean, things are shaping up for the Niners to basically face the NFC West in whatever playoff run they can they can muster. Um, which is, you know, I mean, depending on how you look at it, they own the Rams and and have historically. Um, it's really hard to win three games in a row against a team, especially a team like the 49ers that has uh, you know some really really good game plans at their disposal. So. Uh, they're they're now even at a two percent chance to win the division based off uh, five thirty eight odds, which is unlikely, but still very much there. So it's uh it, it's interesting that I mean they're basically locked into a playoff spot right now. All they have to do is really win one more game. They've got one more home game, and and this is a playoff team for a team that was really really struggling early in the year. I think they really put this season together and salvaged something. And who knows what happens in the playoffs? But it's a it's a hell of a turnaround. Yeah, I, I think they're going to end up too, right? About where we we thought, like thinking back to those preseason predictions, yeah. right? I think we said nine, we ten wins. Yeah, uh, and, and that's where they should be, right? I think you feel pretty comfortable uh, about at least nine getting one out of these final three games, and and I mean, honestly, you could even it wouldn't be surprising. I think with the quality of uh, the other teams. You know, I, I think three straight is on the table. Like, I don't, I don't know. That's the most likely thing, but I think it's it's possible, right? You wouldn't yeah. be uh, terribly surprised if they were able to win out here. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's obviously a very good run. They were able to kind of put things together, get back to kind of those uh, you know game scripts that they thrive in and and where they are so successful. And and so, I do think, yeah, if they can find a way to go up against an NFC West team for that first round of the playoffs, that's when things get a little bit more interesting to me. Like, I, I think when it was looking like 
you know, Arizona was going to be locked into that bye week and that top seed, and then they weren't going to be seeded in a, in a way to be able to face the Rams, and they were having to go against one of Green Bay, Tampa, or Dallas, like that wasn't wasn't seeming you know too uh too good like it, it wasn't yeah. uh we're, we're gonna be thrilled with any of those matchups but i would much rather take you know even if it were arizona like i would i would much rather take one of those nfc west teams and and see what happens uh and then you can kind of go from there especially if it's the version of the cardinals that lose to the lions <laughs> uh juan jennings caught another td in this game juan jennings is a man who's been living rent free in my hall of like for some time now and and the thing is, though, he dropped a first down pass. Is his conversion into Kendrick Bourne 2.0 complete? <laughs> uh, not quite. We're we're there. You know, we're we're getting real close. Uh, we we need to see a couple more like really difficult catches. Yes, that, okay. that are mixed in there, right? That's right. kind of the final piece of the puzzle. But yeah, I think he had actually two drops in this game, um, which was not ideal. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're getting some good plays from him. I mean, the, the tackle that he breaks and he gets the uh, first down on one of those plays, great. But two drops. We need to see some more highlight-level plays, like really break something, either something long, nice run after the catch, some sort of crazy contested catch, yeah. and then the conversion will be complete. And ideally, some kind of a dance, like some kind of a patented dance, whether it be in practice or not. And I think that then makes the conversion um, all the way there. Debo Samuel can't quite do everything uh won't be pushing for a starting quarterback role anytime soon not a great throw not a great throw for my guy not necessarily one i would be itching to dial up again uh if i was shanahan i would look he he hit someone in the numbers okay he hit someone in the numbers is that that's that's all you can ask for yeah i mean fair enough right uh (laughs) defensive back right in the back um not not a great throw for my guy, but um, we so we finally found the one thing that we cannot rely on him to do. He tried. He tried very, very hard. Special teams, still an issue. Jamichael Hasty fumbled on the opening kickoff. That I mean, you can't really put that on, on Richard Hightower at all. Like, dude just got hit with a giant plastic helmet on his forearm, and the ball popped up, right? But the, the Niners did allow the longest punt return they have all season in this game. Uh, after Mish Wish- Mitch Wisnowski uh, didn't seemingly employ the kick that makes the returner fumble, where was uh, which it? I I don't I, know. I thought we could just call these up on demand. Where is the uh, the kick that makes the returner fumble? He didn't use his banana kick. He didn't use the knuckleball kick. He didn't even use his urban kick, which I thought was a fantastic idea from you uh, Missed last opportunity. week. Really, um, the the question I think on a lot of people's minds is whether or not uh, this is going to require some kind of a coaching change or whether or not Richard Hightower should be fired. Um, I think uh, I, I still maintain that up until now, like this is the same special teams coach the Niners have had the entire time that, that they've been in San Francisco. Richard Hightower has been the special teams coach since 2017 and they have been largely okay. Um, they've been largely fine outside of not having a return. They've been good. And in some seasons uh, it's actually been a strength, especially in 2019. Um, I think this speaks more towards who is playing special teams as bottom of the roster players than it does necessarily Richard Hightower. Yeah, I agree. I think when you look at it specifically where so many of their injuries have been to, right? I forget who it was. Uh, one of the recent broadcasts kind of made this point where it's like, you know, a lot of their injuries have focused on running back 
and then on linebacker, right? And and even I, I, you would say like DB as well, right? And those are your your kind of core special teams players. I think those are the guys that are usually going to have the biggest impact. And so then suddenly when you have starters at those positions that are hurt and you're having to bring up the depth guys and make them starters, then you're having to shuffle things around on special teams and put guys out there who wouldn't normally be out there. And, and so I think that's just kind of the situation that they're in right now. Yeah, I, I think it would be pretty harsh to uh, immediately look to kind of make a, a coaching change uh, based on that situation. And finally, uh, I did go to Santa's Wonderland in College Station this weekend. Uh, spent some. I did Christmas in Texas this week with my in-laws and that family, and I ate an ungodly amount of kettle corn. <laughs> I think I feel about kettle corn, David, the way that you feel about ice cream. Like one pint is not your personal serving. That's the that's the shade that you were throwing at me when I when I was telling you that like I you know I, my wife and I split a pint over the course of a week and I thought that was normal and you were like you know for a dwarf uh, and I was like I just don't eat that much ice cream. Uh, but I plowed through this ginormous bag of kettle corn. Like I might go grab it. Uh, and, and show it here in the live stream in just a second. But oh, we were basically there is like, no like small bag. There's no such thing as a small bag of catacorn. It's just oh, it's, it's so a good. giant, massive yes. fucking it's a, bag. It's a tube. It's just yeah. like and it's this. It's so big, uh, and it's it's delicious. And and I just want to go ahead and put it out there. It it absolutely is the real MVP. And I feel like there's a tie-in with George Kittle, like Kittle corn. I, I feel like I've heard that somewhere or something. I don't know, but. All I'm saying is we have an opportunity to basically slap some kind of George Kittle sticker on a kettle corn bag, make it kettle corn, and have the hottest selling snack in the Bay Area. Look, why are these sponsors not just just crawling <laughs> down, like just scrounging for opportunities on this pod right now? We've got the kettle corn. We've got the squirrel nut butt. Like, hit us up, all right? We We are versatile. We can get... <laughs> All of these ads in here. There's room for everyone. It's probably because we talk about urban punt returns and <laughs> things of that nature. But, you know, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll give them a holler. We'll see what's up. Uh, that does it for this week's edition of the Better Rivals podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Better Rivals. Uh, David, tell me about the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Better Rivals. A place where you can avoid those ads if you want to. Even if they come, that's your safe space from the ads you can hit us up there you get the live streams uh on the pods you can watch those on demand if live's not your thing you get the weekly video breakdowns you get the discord head there support the pod buy us a beer we love you this was a fun week an efficient week a good week thanks again for tuning in have a happy holiday since we won't talk to you until after this week's games but thanks to everyone who's tuning in thanks to those of you that bought this delicious beer that i had on this podcast as a family business local brewery out here in texas it's delicious it's awesome thank you this is yours well it's mine but it's because you bought it uh so thanks to everyone who tuned in thanks to all the patrons and as always go niners yeah.